Hello, and welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by 4constructionpros.com. I'm Jonathan, and in this episode features my interview with Mike Hernandez, the technical director for the American Society of Concrete Contractors. He co-chairs the ASCC Technical Sustainability, Constructability, and Finishing Committees and oversees the technical content at ASCC Decorative Concrete Council and the Concrete Polishing Council. On top of all that, I know, right? He also serves on 14 American Concrete Institute committees, including the chair of ACI 131 Building Information Modeling. Within his 26 years in concrete construction, he's been the project engineer for Mortensen, various roles in Baker Concrete Construction, including the operations manager and engineering BAM manager. Strange. There's that BIM again. He also worked as a senior project manager for Parsons Construction Group and recently a project manager for All Phase Concrete. You've likely seen the fruits of his labor. Mike has supervised two terminal expansions at the Miami International Airport, the concrete frame at the Denver Broncos Stadium, and not to mention the former design engineer for a handful of other projects like high-rises, bridges, and more. With his knowledge and experience, I wanted to know his insight into BIM and VDC technologies and sort of lay out a groundwork if you will, of what someone would want to know if they're just starting out. That's enough out of me. Here's my interview. So, uh, Mike, thank you for joining us. Um, I understand that you've been in the industry uh, for a a bit of a time. (laughs) And you've been working actually with BIM uh, for 25 plus years. In that time, how have you, you seen these technologies change? Well, thanks for having me here, Jonathan. Um, it's it's like you said, I've been in the industry since the mid '90s, and back then I was when I would do a rendering, it would take literally eight to ten hours to get one frame of content. And if you compare visually what it looked like then to what we can do now in fractions of a second, it's it's just night and day. It's almost like going back to the '80s movies and seeing how they did. Kind of that um, special effects compared to now is that's a kind of the jump it has technologies made. Sure, sure. So like a lot of hardware issues, like it's it's gone a lot faster on that side, but the the technology actually has gotten more detailed as well, right? Or is it just it easier to be detailed? It's both. It's um, you don't need as specialized the tech technical ability to generate a good looking model. And then it'll render um, very realistic looking sunlight. And Google Earth has given us the ability to put it in a neighborhood context much easier than it would have to have been years ago to, to look at the buildings around it so it's not in a vacuum. Sure. Have there been any like milestones that come to mind of like when like a significant breakthrough or a big change in your two decades um i guess just to clarify so i've mostly been working for concrete contractors building projects for for 25 plus years and i always had an interest so i'd kind of keep an eye on it so i haven't 
I've never been like a modeler. It was more like a manager who was seeing the use case for BIM and sure. challenges in the field. And then looking back on it, thought to myself, wow, if we had if we had modeled that, we would have caught that issue. Or um, if other teams had done something differently, we would have had that complexity or coordination problem. Yeah. It's the cost of things you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> there is this other term that I ran into um, trying to prepare for this episode. Um, VDC or virtual building design. Is is how are they different? BIM and VDC. So virtual design and construction or virtual design constructors is what most people have kind of referred to themselves as now. Or um, so the term BIMS building information modeling has been around for 25 plus years. But I think virtual design and construction kind of captures a little better what's actually what you're doing. Because you're really what you're trying to do is you're building the project in a digital format or virtually before you get there to try and resolve problems before you have problems in the field. So you know the coordination um unfortunately has kind of deteriorated or never even happened from the designer to the construction side. So some of that is counted on to be coordinated on like shop drawings and literally in the field. But now um, VDC has enabled clash detection of multiple models against each other or of just structure versus MEP type of trades. Sure, sure. What are the kind of the most common questions uh, when contractors start using these technologies? Like I would imagine like the first question is, is when should I even use them? That That is often the first question. Like, why would I embrace this technology? Why would I spend money to, to model it? And for me, it's the use case is justified if you have complexity or if you feel, feel like the drawings are not well-coordinated or if you just know that you would rather have the coordination. And also if you, if it's a more horizontal project, like you're, not necessarily stacking everything on top of each other like a high rise would be then you have schedule options that you can like you run different schedule options in 4d basically combine the model with the schedule we call 4d or if you want to optimize your formwork or if you have a lot of reinforcing congestion reinforcing steel complexity or congestion those would all be use cases for why you might want to model a project yeah you mentioned their 4d um and I want to mention everybody, all the listeners, we met, um, we both attended a uh, ACI session that you um, were the lead of, if you will. Um, and it was on BIM and this, it would, you know, was the inspiration of this conversation. Um, and that's where I was introduced to 4D and putting, applying time and the schedule to the 3D virtual design and the of the construction and once that started changing in front of my eyes on the screen it was like night and day suddenly this made a lot more sense because suddenly you could stop like what is happening today and you can stop time right there you can go forward you can go backwards and i i 
I didn't know how that, how powerful it was until you put that 4D in front of you. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm, I'm currently the chair of ACI's BIM committee, and I was a moderator for a session at the convention. And um, using 4D is super powerful. In, it's much better than putting a 20-page bar chart schedule in front of someone and saying, this is how we're going to build it. And they're trying to interpret when you say this level and this pour and this floor, what does that even mean? How big is that? Even if you have square feet or cubic yards on there, when you literally show a little movie that lasts like three minutes about here's the foundation and then the substructure sequence. And then here's, if it's a general contractor, how the skin of the building is going to go on, like all those add-on pieces, um, it just comes to life. And Literally, you don't have to be a construction person to to watch the movie and understand. Well, I understand their sequence now, as opposed yeah. to someone who's looking at 2D plans and elevations and a bar chart schedule and trying to merge those in their head to what's going to happen. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the, it sounds very high tech and it sounds really, really expensive. How How much will it actually cost? And then, you know, how much is it actually going to save us? as a contractor? So like a lot of things, it depends how much you get into it and how much you want to do with it. Um, I guess just kind of a options based, you could use an overseas team to develop this. There's a lot of teams in India that support VDC. Um, they charge like 30, 35 bucks an hour for their guys. Pretty much every major city will have some um, VDC teams. Those guys are usually like $150 an hour. Um, if you want to hire someone, they're usually making like 70 to 90 grand a year just for like a technician. And if you want a manager, they're probably $100,000 a year. But you should probably not jump right into hiring people until you get a comfort level with about 5% of the overall project costs. And they'll build the project like 5% faster, which de depending on how big your job is, could be a whole lot of money it'll typically cost them as much as 1% of the project cost to generate that kind of a model. Um, but for a concrete contractor, you're probably gonna build a concrete model as a minimum. And then once you have that, you can, you can do site layout, you can do site logistics, you could um, do your formwork model, it'll generate quality takeoffs, you could, you need it to do, you can use it for coordination drawings, um, like with other trades or just for yourself, or you could do the reinforcing, but those are all like add-ons once you have the concrete model. Yeah. And if you're a general contractor, you can obviously add other trades in there as well. I mean, this, we don't have to just stop at the concrete side. There's the electric, there's plumbing that you can draw in and, um, Clash detection is that's where the key comes in is once all those trades are designed into that thing, um, that's where clash can clash collision and kind of like an artificial intelligence kind of helps. Yeah, I mean, that's where most projects see the biggest added values on the MEP trades. And you can imagine all the kind of stuff happening in the ceiling of a of a commercial building or even even a hospital is even worse. You have, you know, fire, gravity lines for plumbing, pressure lines, 
for like hot water, cold water, fire protection, duct work, electrical, um, all those fixtures and return lines and conduit runs. It's a mess in the ceiling. And if it's <laughs> not coordinated, whoever gets there first gets their choice. But, it, you know, it's it's always a challenge. Sure. You mentioned that um, you might be able to save 5% or construct 5% faster. Are there any other expectations um, of using a BIM technology with your project? So um, I feel that if you if you are building the project virtually, you're avoiding a ton of risk. I mean, the times when I've seen the most value added was when the BD, the BIM guys come in and say, here's what the structural drawings are showing. You know, this, this opening size is wrong for the escalators or architectural is showing this. So they just go through the drawings and generate RFIs and basically ask the design team for feedback or coordinate with other trades. And then you're not standing there with a whole crew of carpenters and formwork idle and equipment idle trying to figure out what to do. Well, you then ask the question. And a lot of times we've tried to get reimbursed for that disruption in operations. And basically the GC or, or owner's answer is, well, you should have found that before you're right at the face of the work with everybody. And by the way, you delayed everybody behind you because this wasn't resolved. So some of the, it doesn't seem like it should be the construction team's responsibility, but in the end, that disruption ends up costing the whole project time. And ultimately, if you can solve problems and avoid bad outcomes ahead of time, that is a contractor that most customers will want to rehire again and again because they have efficient <laughs> Well, built projects, not ones that are stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Yeah. Is there any benefit on the safety side of things? Absolutely. You can you can do the same kind of 4D pre-pour review for safety concerns, such as like um, if you there was a schedule that we got a couple of years ago where the general contractor had us placing the slabs on metal deck right behind the steel rector, but I had to stop him and say, look, we need a metal deck above us for at least one floor, preferably two, in case they're dropping bolts or metal deck sheets or something comes loose off the steel rectors. It doesn't hurt my guys. So we call the safety exclusion zone that was trailing the, the steel erecting by two floors or like a, a crane radius or other places like kind of no-go zones until it's enclosed or ready you know if there's shoring or reshoring on a level obviously no one else is working there so that could also be like a site logistics exclusion zone as well as a safety exclusion zone where you want you don't want people in there wandering around you know in your formwork yeah and then that pre-morning meeting you have that virtual design right in front of you you can show people hey this is what's safe this is not safe and this is yeah. what we're doing to keep you safe. Yeah. And ideally, yeah. if you're into it enough, you can literally show your team a picture of here's how far we want to get today. Like we got this many guys. This is the bid expectation for we're getting down 
this form works off it in two beams and these beam sides, and that's considered a good day. And if we can meet meet that, good job. If we can beat that, or maybe bonus at the end of the job, you never know. So that's just kind of defining expectations helps a lot when you can show a picture instead of a description. Yeah. And then uh, allows a lot of guys to focus and that increases safety. They're not trying Absolutely. to rush things, trying to get as far as possible. They are knowing exactly what they need to do. Yeah. You can, you can also do some for slight logistics, even looking at where your pumps are going to sit. So where your stage, your concrete trucks. Um, so I'm coming from a concrete construction background. So there's a lot of concrete related examples. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, any other trades, you know, you can, where the plumber is going to stockpile all his pipe, side logistically, and the electrician is going to stockpile his stuff, or wherever he's going to park, are all things are where the toilets are going. Side logistics wise, a pre plan to define this is your zone, this is not your zone for this period of time. And then when that trade leaves, this other guy can have it or something, you know, per curtain wall guy. So, yeah, it helps. We, we talked about um, cost and some a little bit of savings there. Um, and I asked you when we met, um, how can contractors get started? Because it sounds complicated and it likely is. Um, and your response really stuck with me. You mentioned to start with a third party. Why do you think state starting with BIM and VDC technologies um, with a third party is the smartest first step? Um, to me, because the initial investment is so big that you kind of need to get your feet wet before you really jump in deep into the pool with potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in investment. So if you can even just, um, there's some projects that I've worked with with other concrete contractors where there was trade coordination by the GC with like the MEP trades, but they weren't really pushing the concrete guy to do anything. But the modeler was doing the concrete, so they were able to, to glean value from it. Um, but it wasn't necessarily for them. I mean, you have like lonely BIM where you're just doing all your stuff all by yourself. And then there's like an integrated BIM where the whole team's working on it. And if you can get involved with where division 15, 16 guys are, are doing it and just kind of observe what they do in, in the coordination that would get you up to speed. But then you can, once you, start working with it yourself, realize, hey, I can use this for change orders. I can use this for quality takeoffs. It, it kind of starts to enlighten your team about the value added. How do you find one of these services? Do you just hit the search bar and start typing in, you know, services near me? Um, I guess if you're new to it, asking, if you're talking to an ENR top 50 general contractor, they're already doing it. So they're, yeah. they have um, teams that work for them or internal people and start with somebody you trust, you know, a customer or an owner that has already gone down this road to figure out the providers, or you can just kind of start Googling BIM and there's teams in India, like there's dozens and dozens and dozens of them that are, or providing that service. Awesome. Awesome. You you mentioned earlier that you're uh, on the BIM committee at ACI. Um, what can you tell us a little bit of insider knowledge and how things are changing over there? What the ACI 
Bidding Committee is trying to do is to provide a standard for a model exchange between groups in the concrete construction world. So the first document was the rebar exchange model, like when that model goes from, say, the structural engineer to the rebar detailer, what information does it need to have? And then when it gives it back, what information does it need to have? And it it's put in in a way that the software developers can look at that because they're good at writing software code, but they don't necessarily know what the end user, like a concrete contractor or rebar detailer, needs sure. to know about that. Like they don't know a number eight from the hole in the wall. So they're trying to trying to realize, <laughs> okay, if you tell me that's epoxy coded, that's meaningful to you, but okay, we'll, we'll put that uh, designation on there. Um, so it's it's really a tool and a structural engineering model, a contractor model of, of like how the schedule is broken and a rebar model of what information is passing between these entities so that it comes across smoothly. Because many years ago when this started, that information did not transfer well. And even, even today, it's a challenge to, to get it done, but it, this is like part of the process moving the industry forward. Yeah, I think this is a, it's a great leeway into my next question. Um, and it's one of my favorite ones, especially when we're talking about technologies, is kind of looking for the future. Um, where do you see these technologies going for construction? If How are these going to change 10, 15 years from now? Sure. So there's actually a technology that already exists that has low use that I'm not sure if you're familiar with the HoloLens. It's basically a visor that goes on a hard hat. And it basically is a heads up display in front of the user of, of the it's mixed reality that you can see the building environment that you're in and you okay. can turn the model on. You can turn any model on really. And it's, it has like a GPS coordination to its location. So when you turn to the left, you'll see, let's say I turn on the mechanical model so I can see all the all the duct work, or I turn on the plumbing model, I can see the future plumbing gravity lines and pressure lines so that the the user is actually in the future environment. And I, I can see that being increased in usage to really, maybe not every worker, but like every foreman would have access to looking at the model in a heads-up display like right in front of them. Okay, here's here's the concrete shear wall and here's the formwork that's gonna go on it. So I need a brace here and I need a panel there, I need a taper tie there so that they see how to build it based upon the, the heads up display. So that's future, but we're still today. What would be your advice for general contractors and construction professionals today? Sure, I guess one thing to look out for because it could be something that you don't realize if you're new to um, BIM or VDC is that a standard BIM implementation plan for a concrete contractor will probably ask them to model all of the rebar and PT if there's PT in your building. And before you commit to that, you should talk to your reinforcing steel detailer fabricator and see if they have that capability. Currently, according to the 
Concrete Reinforcing Steel Institute BIM Committee, less than 10% of the detailers in the United States can model rebar. So before you sign the contract is the time to know if there's going to be a premium, there probably is, and if they can even do it, even if you can afford it, for them to detail that because you don't want to be in a situation where you just sign the contract committing to detailing the rebar and, and they tell you, well, there's no way we can do that. That's, that's beyond our capability. What kind of goes into all this detailing? You can't just click a button and then let the computer do it? No, it's not that sophisticated yet. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's um, interestingly, one of the, the guys who's on our, our BIM committee said that the youngest detailers are better in 3D because that's the, after playing video games growing up, that's, that's how they visualize things. And they even struggle to do it in 2D, but most of the detailers are in 2D. So it's um, you're literally drawing, you know, the hook bars of of a beam, and you're drawing every little detail. Is especially if you're in a seismic location, that can be substantial as opposed to just having a table that says, "Here's the sizes, go figure it out." They have to literally draw every bar, so it it, it can it can be quite intensive. If there's probably one thing that yeah. I didn't cover that's a value added. So when you're doing site logistics, one thing that you can do is incorporate laser scanning, particularly if you're in an urban environment. So we, we had a project where there was overhead power lines, there's existing railroad lines, which means there was railroad crossing, you know, up and down signals, um, street lights curbs that they don't want to be destroyed, existing trees that have to go around. So that um, environment was scanned with a laser and then basically brought the, the scan model into the building model to, to have areas where we could or couldn't place equipment and you know bring in other, it was, it was a bridge section, so big pre-stressed beams from out of town. So it really took a lot of pre-planning to know how we were going to work in that specific environment. And then, you know, if work with a general contractor to say, look, we just can't work with live power lines this close to final structure and will those have to be moved or it takes quite a while for a utility to, to get around to moving stuff. So it can be done, but it's not a trivial thing. So it's the time to know is early in the project phase, um, construction operations. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's safety right there. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much for um, thank for thank you very much for joining me. Um, and I'll catch you next time. Next time, uh, ACI. I think spring is next, right? <laughs> yep. New Orleans. All right. All right. Take All care. Right. Bye. Bye. And that about does it for this episode. Thank you again to Mike Hernandez for taking the time to talk with us. This has been the Digging Deeper podcast by ForConstructionPros.com. You can find this episode and more on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Megaphone, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you guys, everybody, for listening. Until next time, if you keep chiming in, we'll keep digging. Thanks. Bye.